WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the podcast where two best friends talk about comics with the people who make them. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Lazowitz. And this week's guest is the creator of the Oni Press graphic novel Pink Lemonade, Nick Cagnetti. Welcome, Nick. Hey, thank you both for having me here. Happy to be here talking about all this stuff. So, what are some of the first comics you remember reading? Oh, man. That, that's, uh, that, I've had a lot of ones I remember picking up early on because uh, that there was the big phone book, Black and White Essentials, that my, my mom got me like at Barnes and Noble and Borders back then with uh, all the early Spider-Man stuff. You know, they had the ones with the, the early lead Ditko run that goes up to the Ramita run and uh, those are some early memories because I remember I would take crayons and color them in since they were in black and white. Um, but I remember going to the to the comic shops like pretty early on. We had an Atomic Comics up here, and uh, I would get some pretty pretty then recent back issues. Uh, some of the first I remember was like uh, an issue of Peter Parker Spider Man. It was. Uh, number nine because it had this cover with big venom symbiote just this big floppy venom symbiote on on the cover with john ramita jr art and uh it was just like you know i, I hear a lot of people like, like spider-man fans they always say like one of my the first book you pick up they always has like a venom cover or something and that was definitely the case for me like i can remember that uh i remember one of the really early pickups was just a random part of Maximum Carnage. Just just had Spider Man and Jam J. Jonah Jameson on the cover with Carnage. Uh, just just lots of random stuff like that sticks out in my memory as like early early uh, pickups. I I think you know talking about first Spider Man. So I I when I had was first starting to collect comics, Maximum Carnage was coming out. And so I read that. I bought the whole thing. My first Spider-Man comic, though, I, I, I want to say it was like it was an annual. And I'm pretty sure it was 92 because the trade dress was similar to the Shattershot uh, X-Men annuals. It was like a crossover with the New Warriors. Or some Matt is nodding. <laughs> Hero killers. Okay. Yes, my fact-checking That's department correct. has confirmed that. <laughs> uh but uh yeah no my um I, my son i've been reading uh the black and white essentials with him we're actually we just cracked volume seven i want to wow. say yeah yeah it's nice. so we're in like the jerry conway ross andrew uh period uh, and it's definitely like one of those lulls. I'm waiting for it to get good again. So we had the 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 one we read last night was the first appearance of the Grizzly, and the right reveal. In the the, yeah, right in the midst of the original Clone Saga. Yes. Well, we're starting to get into it. No clones have appeared yet that yeah. I know of. <laughs> yeah, but you know, we got this giant guy in a Charmin Bear costume, and then like the reveal at the end is he's working for the Jackal. Yeah, and and you know, you know how those those Stanley hype boxes work. Like, oh, this next one's gonna be explosive. My guy, my guy. <laughs> Let's take the temperature down. It's the Grizzly <laughs> and the Jackal. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. I like the spider buggy from around that, that era. That stuff's really fun because I like the, the whole idea of having like the actual real life toy company involved. Like they want to make a car for you, Spider-Man. He's like, oh, OK, I guess. I feel like that's some, that, like that kind of thing is always uh, always appealing to me. The, the thing is, though, he passed the work off on the human torch. He's like, you built yeah. this. <laughs> it was pretty funny. I uh, I recall another another early memory of some early Spider-Man comics I I picked up where uh, I think it was just finishing up at the time like uh, early mid two thousand one there was a mini series that Steve Root had drawn it was called Spider-Man Lifeline it was uh, just this really beautifully drawn book and and like it was one of those early things that opened up my eyes to to like you know how, how 
many cool things you can do with with the page and with comics and how pretty you can make it look and and uh i've I've gone back to those books many times over the years just because it was like one of those early early things that stuck with me Steve Root, I just reread. Uh, he did a World's Finest miniseries in the late '80s, and uh, X Men wasn't first class. It was yeah, Children it was of the Atom. Yep, yep, yep. He, he did Casey. a few few Marvel things like in the late '90s, early 2000s that were pretty cool. Thor one too, I think. Yeah, yeah. With uh, uh Kurt Kurt Busiek. It was called like God Storm, I think. Good good stuff. Yeah. Now, are you a back issue hunter? You know, uh what's what's the most you've ever spent on like a back issue of Spidey? Uh I don't know. I, I don't I didn't really go like super crazy. I remember just anytime I'd be at the comic book store, just be like trying to find some random cheap back issues in the bins with ones that I that I wanted to get because early on I, I my family didn't have a computer and uh I, I I would just be at my grandparents house where they had a computer and I'd be on like Spider-Man fan sites just like looking at covers and reading about the history and the characters and stuff and that would be uh like an early gateway too is just like looking at all this and then going to the store and being like well here this one is and uh, yeah, just stuff like that. How was uh, how was seeing Spider Verse for you a couple weeks ago? It was it was really cool. Like uh, honestly, one of the things that got a biggest pop off for me was seeing a uh, typeface cameo from uh, the the Paul Jenkins Mark Buckingham uh, run on, on Spider Man. Like uh, all all the other cameos and stuff, I was like, okay, cool. And, but then typeface, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> that, that, that's a that's a real that's that's for me right there but uh yeah i really feel lucky as like a fan getting such uh you know stuff coming out where they're pouring so much uh creativity in, into it my, my pop was for video man from spider-man and his amazing friends yeah that was that was a cool one too uh, atari green goblin right next to him yes that's right <laughs> Fun stuff. Ah, oh, man. So, uh, you're, you're, we mentioned this off mic, you know, you're about to do San Diego Comic-Con, uh, by the end of this week, as we're, as we're recording, uh, you will have done San Diego by the time this episode airs. What is it? First of all, is this your first time? Uh, I've attended as a guest, I mean, just as a attendee before, mm. just, just browsing the place like a decade ago, but, uh, I haven't been back since, so. I'm really excited to be there as like a guest. It's something I never really thought would, would happen, but you know, really, really happy just to be there and especially just having a having my book just having come out. And they just announced too, like last week, about this 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 exclusive hardcover that they're gonna be having there for the show that I've had to keep secret for, for like many months here. So I'm really happy to to be able to talk about that and be able to to go for something so so it's really cool something be able to go for something so cool is there something in particular you're looking forward to to doing while you're there i mean just signing all the books and talking to everybody that comes up and uh that's one of my favorite things with doing uh shows recently it's just like uh you know having all the books out there before the trade even came out it was just nice and a bit of a relief being able to you know, hear from people and come up and they they read the book and they enjoyed it a lot and hearing stuff like that is just really nice because the series has been on a bit of a long journey to get to a point where it's out and in people's hands. So it's just been nice having that that feeling of, of seeing that result, and especially now with the collection, just uh, it, it's it's even better for me just, you know, because that's an easier thing for people to get their hands on than hopefully just, you know, one complete book. But I mean, other than that, I'm, I'm looking forward to just being able to, to walk around and see some of the hubbub, just all the craziness hanging around there. Should be fun. Well, we definitely want to talk about the journey of, of Pink Lemonade. So, you know, let, let, let's get into that. Uh, 
but we'll start uh, as we always do with uh, everyone's favorite part of the show, Matt reading the Diamond Solicit blurb. (laughs) Meet Pink Lemonade, the new hero on the scene. She dreams of doing big things, but ultimately she'll settle for just helping where she can. But when Pink Lemonade accidentally crashes into the set of the next Ron Radical blockbuster, she'll take an unexpected leap into the spotlight and will soon find herself confronted by a series of increasingly threatening doppelgangers extraterrestrial fanboys and nefarious corporate machinations so i i asked this question knowing it will have a very long answer uh what what is the origin of this project oh man <clears throat> it, it goes very uh far back to about 2016 for me uh that's when i first started doing stuff with the character that was uh I just finished up doing some some books and with some friends. I, I had done a few things with, you know, projects before that that my friends had written and then I had drawn and, uh, you know, so I was pretty well versed in like working on a thing in that kind of capacity. But at this point, I really wanted to like challenge myself and do something on my own. And I wasn't really like sure, you know, about like the whole writing process, like if that was something I could do, if I could pull that off. So. I uh, started coming up with this character, just wanted to, uh, you know, do something that was really with where I was at in that moment, trying to use that as a, as sort of a uh, an avatar of that. And uh, that's where Pink Lemonade came up from. And I, I started doing them in like comic strip, comic strip format, because uh, I thought that would be a good way for me to sort of ease myself into trying to figure out, you know, how to like pace a story and figure out that that whole side of the thing and uh that's sort of how i just dove into it that way was just drawing them strip by strip or having like a little bit of a you know outline of like where i wanted to go with the strips and just draw it out and then i I would work on the actual things and uh you know that really helped me immensely and just sort of figuring out you know the voice of it and what i was trying to go for it you know from going from strip to strip and uh as i got to the end of those i I think it sort of came to a natural breaking point for me because i was sort of had in mind this thing going forward for it where it was a lot more ambitious and i uh you know i wasn't sure that keeping to the strip format would be able to do that justice so I, i really came to a to a point where it was you know toying with it in my head like do I need to make the move to going back to doing full books and doing with the character that way? So that's why I decided. And that's where the, the, the whole series sort of started coming together here. The one that just, you know, wrapped up and just got published as, uh, as, as the single graphic novel. And that's where that sort of began. And at that point it was like 2018. Uh, I started scripting the, the first issue and, uh, and I've been working on it ever since, you know, in and out, doing other stuff, uh, work for hire, little little gigs here and there. And that uh, you know, it's always just with the goal in my mind of trying to finish this story that I had and and, and do it as 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 well as I could, because uh I had a lot of crazy things in there in my head from the beginning just that I wanted to that I wanted to build towards and and, and get to. So that was sort of like uh know things that were were sort of driving me along like you gotta you gotta finish this you gotta see it through because you know I, th- I thought there were there were things that were you know be pretty satisfying to to let them play out if i if i if i was able to so yeah it was just just a big crazy crazy adventure just inside the book and outside the book really yeah no it's 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 interesting because I, I was i was thinking about this when we this interview was first pitched to me. It's like, oh man, we ran a review of the first issue way back in 2019 when it was published by It's Alive, and 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 here we are now. Like, you know, the whole tale can be told. Uh, one thing I was curious about, you know, what 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 is that first sketch of Pink Lemonade in your notebook look like? What what was different about her then? Well. Uh, some of those early ones, they made it into the back of the trade. So, 
can get a sense of some of that there. But, uh, you know, early on, you know, there was always that color scheme of the pink and the yellow and having the character that was riding on a motorcycle. That was all stuff that was pretty, pretty uh, integral right from the start and sort of wanting to do something with a character that was, uh, you know, having the, that sort of positive childlike uh, uh, embodiment through the character uh but also you know even even like the first sketch of her without the helmet on had the scar just how it is and everything so i mean i'd say like pretty much like the whole personality aspect and the whole overall look was pretty much right there from the beginning but it took me a few passes with like getting things refined as far as like how you know the suit would look you know that that was a little bit of a uh there's some there's some early sketches like i said that that show up in there that that people could probably see but uh you know it wasn't like uh it wasn't too far off from from where it ended up really i guess one of the major i guess the main thing for me would probably be like her helmet like originally it was just like head sized like it really didn't look like a helmet it looked kind of uh uh yeah honestly the the, the earliest ones I, I had like the eyes peeking through and I didn't really know like how to achieve that. And I'm like, it just looks like she's, you can see her actual eyes through that back there. And then it just hit me like, got to embrace like the, the lemon, the lemon stuff to give her the big lemon eyes. So that, 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 that was probably like the biggest hurdle, like was the helmet and like making sure that it was like uh, identifiable as a helmet, not just her head. So she's got the big Bible head look after, after a little bit of exploration. Um, did any aspects of the story itself change between the original couple issues that came out and now? It was, uh, I mean, it was always having like a certain goal in mind, like where it was going to go. But, you know, certain in between parts of it were really flexible from from day one. Like even uh, even in issue one in my script, I didn't even have the the page with Ron Radical in there. The page, a couple pages of that, but as I was, you know, working on the on the thing, and uh, drawing it, gotten up to those pages, I realized like I need this in here because it would, you know, Pink Lemonade's journey and where she's going, it has to reflect in, in you know what Ron Radical was going through at the time when we meet him, and you know so there we could find a. a you know, parallel journey for, for that character to build towards going forward. So that was really an on the fly decision for, for the first issue that ended up like carrying forward really big for the rest of it. And I think that was sort of a necessary thing to try and like do like decisions like that as, as, as on the fly, because, uh, you know, you have this broad general plan for what you want to do, but then as you're going, you, you realize, there needs to be more here because you can have more components that like, you know, build on that main theme. And if you don't explore them, you're not like doing that as well justice as you, as you could be then. Um, so that's some elements were like that where, you know, they weren't, they weren't all figured out, but like a lot of the, like the major beats, like the whole OJ bot stuff was the core of it for me from day one. And, uh, having having that be sort of the overall overarching thing, but then just sort of adding in, you know, the different generations of that with like Ron Radical also experiencing those things. I felt like was a way for me to, you know, really uh, uh, build on that more. So, uh, yeah, I, I tried to have scripts that were pretty, pretty fleshed out for myself just to, you know, going into it to know that I, I had a plan and, 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 uh, but at the certain, at the same time, on the other hand of that, it was also if if I needed to change things, I was you know able to change them. How did it feel when you got the comps of the trade to to finally have that that complete work in your hands? Oh man, it was uh, it was pretty surreal. It was a really nice feeling though because uh, you know that's sort of really kind of what I was hoping to to build towards since the beginning doing all this, but it was really just like a far off kind of thing. Like, 
I don't know if, if that'll ever happen, you know? And uh, just having it like that was just really, really nice and sort of energizing in a way. Like, uh, you got to do, do it again, you know? One, you know, excited to do something else after that now. Um, I mean, I think, uh, too, it's just, it's just uh, really, it's just really cool just holding a big book of your work like that. It's just really fun. There, there are a lot of influences in the book that are are right there on, on the sleeve. You know, there's there's Kirby, there's All Red. You know, I feel like there's some Hernandez brothers in there. There's early Image Comics. There's '90s comic book ads. You know, what what am I missing here? What else is is in this uh, cosmic gumbo? Uh, one thing that I was looking at pretty early on was. Uh, a lot of uh, Hugo Pratt, Corto Maltese. Uh, I think it was IDW that put out some translations like a few years ago, and I picked up a lot of them. And uh, I think that was kind of in my head at the time, just sort of in the respect that, you know, these characters going on adventures, and sometimes there's like dreamlike qualities that they can take on. And, uh, you know, just like the beautiful brushwork involved in that is stuff that sort of stuck with me. Uh, it's kind of an unexpected one, I, I think. But um, I'm I, I really a big fan of Dan Klaus also. That's uh, probably another big one that sort of uh, is there. Uh, I, I mentioned Steve Rude earlier. That's, that's another one. Uh, Darwin Cook, when I was... Uh, when I was young, Marvel had a uh, they 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 had a, a an anthology Spider-Man book called Tangled Web that was coming out, and Darwin Darwin Cook had two issues on there, like two holiday themed Spider-Man stories, which are ones that I went back to quite a lot. You know, like that was just a lot of my uh, uh, you know that was a lot of my gateway stuff as a kid was just Spider-Man, and then whenever you'd see like books that had like people who weren't typically spider-man artists coming on there i would be like whoa and like look at them a lot and like like the darwin cook ones or the steve rude ones so uh, those are some 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 creators that you know early on left impressions and and uh, and later on i would go you know as i'm looking out for more books getting older just diving into more of their work uh, and then in other places and are you at all like a, a classic anime guy? Because there is some vibe with OJ Bot of Astro Boy. I mean, you you call it out towards the the middle end of the series when you get the different versions of OJ Bot, but all along there is kind of an Astro Boy vibe there. And even Pink Lemonade's whole aesthetic has a little bit of that Super Sentai with the the full body jumpsuit and the helmet. Yeah, a little bit. I. Uh... I like Power Rangers a lot. I've always been a fan of that too. So I, I think all these things just kind of inevitably just flow into like a big soup and try and, and, and come out in, the, in a fun way. Then I think that's one thing that I try and, and do is just look at everything that, that I enjoy and try and, uh, you know, look, look at how I can, uh, you know, try and reflect it back in a, in a, in a different kind of way, hopefully. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, my, my anime knowledge isn't like the most, uh, you know, it, it isn't as much as like something like Spider-Man say, but I like, I, I was watching a lot of, uh, I know it's probably really introductory, but it, Cowboy Bebop a few years ago when I was doing a lot of the Pink Lemonade development stuff and uh, just some of that probably bled over into my, into my writing too, just in terms of like the, the, the melancholic feel that some of that can have and, it, also the fun, uh, just sort of that blend of, of, of you know, just that's how things can kind of be sometimes. It, I call it, I mentioned this as someone whose knowledge of anime and Japanese pop culture is about Astro Boy, Power Rangers, Miyazaki, and a couple other things. This is not something I'm deeply versed in either. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I think... I think you have a, a knack for almost turning your influences into Easter eggs. You know, one thing I noticed are, you know, was Linda has tattoos and there's like, there's the web for Spider-Man. There's the madman exclamation point. There's a bone for 
presumably bone. <laughs> yeah, she had another one too. Uh, it was like uh, it was like severed cross fingers. It's like a song from uh, Saint Vincent. It's that oh wow, I'm a big fan of Saint Vincent. Uh, pretty much, yeah, all the tattoos were stuff. <laughs> How was writing the fine print in the ad spoofs? Because each issue has its its uh, very particular '90s comic book ad that it's spoofing. You know, was doing the tiny type toward the bottom for some of them more time consuming than anything else in the book. Uh, honestly, I don't think I don't think so. Because like uh, I was just kind of having fun with it. Because uh, you know, referring to some of those real ads and then just finding ways for. You know, they're asking for like real addresses and stuff. I'll just like make up fake stuff and make try and try and do some 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 fun uh, coy remarks in there instead. Uh, I think like uh, I I can't recall like any any parts like really stood out as like taking super longer. Uh, as far as like the, I mean maybe like some of the spreads with like the big crowd shots and and number three those might have taken a little bit longer uh issue five uh issue five was probably the big one for 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 time consuming just in terms of like all the things that uh i was trying to do there and, and as far as switching things up stylistically i i wanted to make sure that stuff was done as right as i could get it so that stuff that that was probably the most time consuming part of the whole book right there it was like uh you know, the, the, the pixel art bit was drawn on like tiny, tiny, like 100 by 100 pixel canvases and then just like going pixel by pixel and then getting them blown up and like layering the different uh, uh, things on top of each other. And um, I, I'd say like uh, that and maybe the 3D bits, uh, build, build in little uh, clay figures for just the one shot of uh, it having the, my friend 3d printed some figurines and then I painted them all and just took picture for that one shot. Um, I, I don't know if I'll do stuff like that ever again, really, but it was something that I just really wanted to do for there because it was, you know, it was about exploring a character's history and like the different ways it had been interpreted and just like trying to find like the, the core truth that's still there through like all of it. And, uh, you know, I didn't think I could, you know, truly like express that without like going all in on it. So wait, you had like those were three D printed figures. You like still have those on a shelf somewhere? Is that a yeah, personal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could, I could, I could show you guys if if you want. Uh, sure. The... <laughs> let, me, let me grab. He'd be working on his claymation right now. Yeah. <laughs> Stand in the place where you uh, would a depressed person make this? <laughs> Literally, yes. <laughs> uh, my favorite. Now the question is, do I keep in all this parks and rec fan thing? <laughs> yes. Here's here's those, uh, those guys that were just oh, for that, that wow. one there. So cool. For the for the listeners, Nick is holding up his uh, 3D printed models of Pink Lemonade and OJ Bot. Um, those are those guys, and these are the uh, these are the little figure figurine guys. Very cool. I can't imagine what it must be like to have your own action figures. It was uh, it was a lot of work, but I think it was worth it in the end, just for. Uh, you know, trying to trying to make it as uh, trying to sell that idea in the story as, as best I could. The uh, the villain of this series has a name that rhymes with former Toy Biz CEO and Marvel Studios uh, founder Avi Arad. What did the producer of Sony Pictures Morbius ever do to you? Uh, I don't know. I, uh, he's always uh, he's always been been ever present through my whole growing up just watching like anything spider-man like the old cartoon i always see that see that name pop up and stuff so just uh 
just always been something that's been in, in my head. Like, uh, just remember, like, when Spider-Man 3 was coming out and all the all the hubbub over, like, uh, you know, Venom being in there and the director not really being a fan of that, but having to do it anyway. And, you know, just sort of the, the, those kinds of Hollywood things that, you know, happen. It's just uh, trying to trying to quantify that into into a part of the story and reflect that on like characters that are, you know, they're just trying to do their own thing. But then they're getting caught in those grinding gears and having to appease the, uh, you know, the corporate, uh, the, the, the people that 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 make it all you know, call the shots. So I, I just wanted like some kind of representation of that. And it was something that was kind of just close in my head. And even beyond the, the corporatization, uh, by the end, you get to this point where you're talking about the stories that are kind of familiar. If you know your golden and silver age creator history and the way credit is distributed. I mean, we've already talked about those classic Spideys, and I'm sure Steve Ditko would have some things to say about that, but it's also very reminiscent of Bob Kane and his numerous collaborators, most notably Bill Finger, but also Jerry Robinson and the rest. Is that a similar kind of thing in your head, but you wanted to pull that in, or is that more, this is a comic and you wanted to kind of address the history of comics as well within this comic it was more it was more of a thing for me it was just like trying to uh i i i think for for me a big thing with pink lemonade was trying to point to sort of where we are currently with like you know we're surrounded so much by these these things that are based on like comics and comic book adapted properties and stuff and it's just like a, a, a glut of these things around us in our world in our day-to-day that that uh, I think in some respects we've kind of so I, I think some people just don't realize like where they come from always or like and I feel like it should be a thing where people are more aware of like you know the history of, of where these things come from that that they're all enjoying and like you know, just sort of trying to posit if we engage with it all enough more than just like on the surface level with, you know, I, I think that kind of side of, of it is important to keep in mind when, because uh, it kind of gets lost in the shuffle a lot of the time with just sort of, you know, everything, you know, just being spat out there just from like the big entertainment conglomerates, just like trying to find the next things to sort of suck up and spit out. So, uh I mean, that was that was sort of uh, a big big thing for me. It was just sort of trying to keep that keep that the awareness of that. And and you know, just like Pink Lemonade is is trying to go on her own journey. You know, you've been on your own journey with this character, and this is this is how it's uh, paid off. I feel like I'm explaining the joke, but you know, you know what I mean. Like the the the, the parallel tracks, <laughs> the vibes are similar. <laughs> Oh man, I uh, just what something that that struck me though was how heavily the 90s weigh on this comic. I mean, obviously Ron Radical, one of the major characters is meant to look like this, you know, walking kind of amalgamation of of the spirit of early image comics and and action excess. Uh but I mean, even going through it like there's there's cameos from not to entirely spoil it uh major mtv animation stars of the decade <laughs> um you know and 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 this is from a period where where you were a literal baby <laughs> I, I i i guess i guess what why did why did that what about the 90s was something that you wanted to sort of mind to be part of the story well i mean beyond just being like uh you know, growing up like in the late '90s to early 2000s, just a lot of that stuff was just really, really present for me, and just really, uh, you know, always on hand and, and and around. So, you know, I have a lot of fondness for that for that stuff. Uh, I I, uh, I think it's uh, you, know, you look at characters like Ron Radical immediately, and, and 
think it's probably going to be like a, a disparaging parody of, of 90s stuff, but I, I, I wanted to try and look at them in like uh, a way where, you know, you're, you're, you can sort of ascribe them new, new life. And, uh, you know, like maybe like they have other things they can offer too. Like, uh, you know, that they're not played out just tropes and that they can be real people also. Uh, and that was kind of the thing for me. And, uh, I, I just like, uh, I just like a lot of that stuff. And, uh, I think sort of blending them together is sort of, a was, was a bit of a goal going into it. it was just trying to marry different eras of like comic books and comic book aesthetics together into like one cohesive piece. And, uh, you know, let's try and, and, and see that they can, some, that they can coexist. And, uh, I mean, because I think that's sort of the thing with like OJ Bot was something kind of representative of uh, sort of the, the the thing in my head was kind of like the Mickey Mouse kind of kind of uh, you know uh, mascot type character and you know, like that kind of era and uh, just sort of blending those kinds of, of of ideas together into one kind of narrative. Um, do do you have? Touching back on the on the ad spoofs, uh, a favorite from among the ones that you did for the book. Uh, I, I will say that mine was the uh, the combo man. Yeah, that was a fun one. Um, I, I'd have to maybe say the, uh, the 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 number five one with the OJ bot, just because uh, you know one thing I was trying to do with all of them was you know have another way for people to try and like go into the story and and. and is my my idea for them was you know they're they're ads for really in in the in the world like for people that exist and sort of trying to to complement what's happening in the story and I think that one uh, I think it really was able to to you know speak to the theme and that issue in particular uh, and that one was based off of a Cheez Its ad from like 1999 with Spider Man. Just really silly one, but uh, you know, it's just sort of speaking to the to the to the plight of that issue of uh, you know, comics and, and and entertainment being able to sort of pick you up and 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 keep you going in moments when you need it. That was sort of the the main thing there, and 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 uh, reflecting that in the ad was something that I was trying to do. I have a soft spot for the the Ron Radical action figures from issue two, where you, you can look at it, it's like, okay, wait, I think I recognize some of this action figure in that one, and some of this action figure in that one. I had that action figure. Yeah, that was uh, that was like a Batman. Le- I think it was Legends of the Dark Knight, like toy line, mm-hmm. really, really, really like edgy looking, cool. I had the scarecrow who is the who had a big scythe, and it's like, yeah. wait, no, there's the one with the big scythe. Yep, I remember yeah. that one. <laughs> Fun stuff. Uh, so Don Simpson, who created uh, Megaton Man, for folks who don't know, uh, drew a four-page backup in one of the issues. How did that come about? That was uh, back in the It's Alive days. I was just finishing up number two, and the publisher told me that Don Simpson really liked it and wanted to wanted to do something on Pink Lemonade. So uh, I I came up with a script in like a few hours and sent it over, and uh, they're like, Don loves it, and then just started working on it. And uh, I was really happy uh, that all came up because uh, I think I was able to do something there in that story to wrap up the main thing in that particular issue sort of in a full circle kind of way for Ron Radical's whole arc there. And, uh, you know, having Don be able to flex his megaton man muscles on there was a lot of fun. Just just having this hulking giant Ron just sitting at like a, little table coloring and, and with crayons and stuff it was just delightful really really pleased with that still to this day and, and don is really cool i got to meet him at uh, heroes con and just this past june here and uh he, he's just always been real supportive of the book and i'm really grateful for that 
And, and one of the things I love about it is Ron gets somehow more muscly and distorted <laughs> throughout the story. It, it, it reminded me of like the way that uh, they used to draw like strong guy in like X Factor yeah. in the 90s. Um or Megaton Man, you know, I suppose. Uh, but uh, yeah, and then just especially after Ron like be- decides to lean into being an artist and he gets those tiny glasses, I just you know I, I laughed every time I saw it. <laughs> I'm glad I-, I I wanted to do the little glasses because I thought they'd be funny. So I'm glad to hear that. Uh, so in in addition to Don Simpson, you know, now through Oni, you've got all these variant covers from folks like Jamie McKelvey, Rich Tommaso, Shaky Kane. You know, what 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 is it like seeing all these other artists takes on on your creation for the first time? It's really surreal. I mean, I, I probably keep saying it, but it is it is really just surreal. I mean, it's really cool. Uh, I'm, I'm just just blown away every every time I see stuff like that because uh, you know it's just you, you work on this stuff for a long time and you're not sure sometimes if it's gonna if it'll come out or if people are see, will see it so then just like seeing uh, pros just like doing really cool takes on it and, and people getting excited about that too it's just like uh, it's pretty unfathomable at times for me but it's just really really cool to see now, with with that stuff, did Oni come to you and say, hey, we want to do variant covers? Do you have like a wish list of artists or do they come to you and say, hey, we got these artists to draw your character? Yeah, it was a, it was a bit of both because, you know, I asked for like a, a list of like people you have in mind and stuff. And then they have to take into consideration things like, uh, you know, if those those artists have been around on like too many covers like lately like like they want to get some freshness on the on the stands and and, and I, I i thought that you know made sense and, and uh, that's where some stuff comes into play too so we're going to use that word surreal one more time here uh in addition to that one uh, what has been the most surreal interaction you have had because of pink lemonade hmm Oh man, uh, this is this is a tough one. I mean, just uh, I I've heard like lots of people say like they pick it up and 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 like their kids want to read it and like they're not sure if they're if it's like age appropriate or anything and then they pick it up and they like love it and then they they hand it off to their kids and their kids love it and like that kind of stuff in particular comes to mind as something that's just pretty crazy, but. Uh, it was like a hope of mine, just like, uh, you know, trying to make something that could be accessible for, for you know, all kinds of readers. Like even people who might not be super into comic books, hopefully make something that's, uh, you know, able to just be jumped into. So, I mean, that's really crazy stuff. And then, I mean, just seeing like tons of people online doing like fan art of the characters and stuff and, uh, I mean, that's been crazy since, like, pretty early on, there's been people just, like, sending art of the character or people mailing me art of the character just unprompted, and and I'm just like, thank you. I mean, it's just amazing. Uh, I mean, even just the other day, I, I saw some art of some of the side characters, Skip Roquet and Bald Duan the dog. Like, that was just cool to see because I love those characters. And, you know, I, I it's, it's just crazy. I really appreciate all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's just nice. Do you have or have you considered uh, merch uh, since you're headed to Comic-Con that smells like pink lemonade? You know, a scratch and stiff snicker that doubles as a business card, something like that. I have thought of that, but I don't have anything like that I'm going to be bringing with me, unfortunately. I'm just going to be signing these hardcovers pretty much mostly uh, any other things that they're selling that I, that I've had a part in. Uh, they're going to have like an exclusive Rick and Morty variant cover. That's for the show that I, I got a chance to do too, which is fun. I uh, pretty neat to see. I have the hardcover right here, actually. This is uh, I've, I've had this copy for a few months and I've been having to like hide it whenever I, do anything just to keep it secret 
But really, really pleased with the way it all came together. And uh, I like how they got the comic strips in there, too. When you open up the book, you got, like, all the, all the old comic strips. So you got, like, the whole the whole original Pink Lemonade thing in there, too, collected. You got to love quality packaging. Yeah. Now, are you looking to continue with the character? At some point, for sure. But uh, I think the way I approach these these things in general is just trying to tell like a single story as as, as well as I can tell it. You, you know, make sure that there's like pertinence there for for me to 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 get that out there and to to have that. You know, this that was a big thing working on the book was just trying to make sure that every page was getting across like some important bit of information to keep pushing things forward or revealing something new that was interesting. And that, that that's a big thing for me is just making sure that no space is wasted. So I, uh, you know, I, I told the story that I wanted to tell with the six issues there and then, and ended it on, uh, you know, the way I wanted to. So I think that the main thing for me going forward is just making sure I have the right story in mind and knowing where I want to go with it. And, uh, you know, I have, I have lots of ideas going forward for more pink lemonade. And it's just like a matter for me of, you know, collecting those thoughts and letting them sit for a little bit to, to find their place. Cause that's kind of how the first one went too, in a way it was just, you know, working on the strips and then he's thinking about where it's going and, it sort of starts falling into place in ways and that's just kind of how it goes. And that's, that's where, that's where I've been at too, for like other, other things for like uh, maybe I'll say like spinoff related ideas as well. Like th those are things I'd kind of like to do too, just uh, that I'm planning out, but I am working on something else at the moment, not pink lemonade related. Well, something else that you've been working on, uh, you had a story with Chris Condon in the first issue of uh, Zeno, Oni's new sci-fi anthology, uh, about uh, your story is about a gamer who agrees to be injected with a nanovirus that makes him see the world as a video game uh, with dangerous results. This story is a lot more violent and frankly, uh, gruesome than Pink Lemonade. Like I took a look at the last page and I'm not giving anything away here, but I was definitely like, holy shit, the Pink Lemonade guy drew this? <laughs> uh, how, how was that walk on the dark side? Uh, I mean, it was pretty cool because like, uh, you know, going, I, I literally was just finishing up Pink Lemonade. So uh, getting a chance to do that was cool because like, you know, it was the total opposite. I like the I like the idea of trying to do as many different kinds of books as I can. Like even the thing that I'm doing right now is going to be pretty different from Pink Lemonade in its own ways and for, different from the Xeno story. So I think just trying as many different things is, is just appealing to me just as a, you know, for for the excitement sake of, of seeing new kinds of things. But uh yeah, I, I really enjoyed working on that Zeno story just because, uh, you know, Chris Condon's script is just, it was really, really like verbose and really visual. And, you know, you really get a sense like what it needed to be. So I, I had a lot of fun just going for it. He was like totally on board, but, you know, I showed him like the sketches for everything. And I asked if I could do like one thing as like a double page spread and everybody was on board with that too. So I like trying to get as many double page spreads in there as well, just for the variety of, you know, layouts and I think it keeps things kind of unexpected. Was this, was this something where like Oni was just like, Hey, we're putting this together, you know, would you like to do something with it? And you got paired with Chris? Yeah, they, they asked me uh, if I wanted to like write my own story for it, but uh, I was literally like uh, coming right off of Pink Lemonade, and I was just like not sure if I what 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 I wanted to do in that respect, and I was kind of sick back then too, and I just didn't feel like doing the critical thinking of, of figuring out that. So they're like, well, yeah, we got we got Chris here, he's got something he, he's specifically wanted to work with you on so i'm just like well, that's it that's it right there 
So yeah, it was it was it was really easy decision when I heard that that side. So it was cool. So you mentioned the doubles page spread, but what I want to highlight is there's there's a panel in the story where we see the living room of the of the central character Gavin, and he's got damn near every console lined up on his shelves down to a virtual boy perched on his coffee table <laughs> and the power glove on a high shelf, which I love because it's so bad. Uh, was that something that Chris put in the script, like draw all the consoles or were you like, this is, this is my chance. I'm just going to go ham and, and draw as many as I can fit in this panel. I'm pretty sure he had that in the script. Like he has like every video game console ever in there. So I did try and just uh, live up to that. So I, I, I got to put in some fun stuff like uh, the, the Nokia N-Gage, which I think got cut out in the top of it, unfortunately. Uh, and all that kind of stuff is appealing to me because I, I enjoy like the history of like uh, things being made and uh, the, the, the failures out there of like the products. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh I, I had uh, the Nintendo, uh, uh, what was it called? The Ro Robbie, Robbie the Robot. Yeah, yeah. I had, I had, I had him in there, uh, but I got some notes back that they, they were thinking it looked too much like Wally from from uh, from Disney, so they didn't want to, they didn't want any problems that way. <laughs> so they, they suggested, what just put OJ Bot in instead. So I'm like, yeah, that, that works. So that's my OJ Nintendo. Bot. We're not worried about the mouse. <laughs> Disney? Yeah, oh, no. better safe than sorry. Yeah, well, it was fun getting the stick OJ bought in there though, but uh, I, I had the Halo poster in there. I changed it to Phalo. Uh, that was fun. Uh, he had like a a, a Lara Croft shirt on too, which was another fun one. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there is uh, one of the most expensive games ever. He has on his shelf. Uh, I don't know if, if if you guys noticed there's 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 a Sega 32x game, just, the, the Spider-Man uh, one, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. The the Web of Fire. It's like one of the most expensive games ever for some reason. I guess just because like the, you know, the Sega 32x wasn't doing well or something, and then just like low print run of of that game and other games, and just this he he has it on his shelf. As, as vaguely not Spider-Man as, as 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 you can get it. I, I did love seeing, well, first of all, I noticed the 32X game, but just the fact that the Genesis that was on the shelf had all the hardware that they kept Frankensteining onto the Genesis <laughs> to extend its shelf life. The CD, the 32X, you know, Sonic's head yeah. sticking out in the cartridge. But uh, God, what a weird... I read Console Wars a couple of years ago, and I, I just what a fascinating story! <laughs> just yeah, the fact that that pretty sure. much, you know, was Sega's savior, and then also damned it by the end. Matt, Matt, you noticed the cat in that story, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Please, it's a story that has a cat in it. Of course, I noticed a violent cat. <laughs> I want to point out. I, I, I say as I've occasionally had to look over because my cat has just been sitting there on the first step leading upstairs just <laughs> giving me the you know you were sitting on the couch all weekend and i had your lap i have not had your lap today this is unacceptable <laughs> her highness is displeased <laughs> oh god Funny. Do, you, do you have pets nick uh no not at the moment I used to have a big dog growing up. He, he was uh, his name was Spidey. Oh, that's great. Ah, <laughs> uh, so what's what's what do you got going on after San Diego? Do you have any other like you know appearances, signings, anything like that? It's uh, coming up. Um, let me think here. I I uh, I here's here's a picture of my dog Spidey. Actually. Oh, look at that big friend! Wow. But, uh, I, I think mostly after San Diego, I'm just going to be trying to hunker down and draw a lot. I, uh, that's uh, well, Actually, in August, I do have a local signing at a Barnes & Noble for, for the book, but uh, I think that's August 19th. Uh, it's uh, in the morning, 11 a.m., uh, Sunday the 19th. 
Uh, but other than that, like I said, just hunkering down and be drawing a bunch. I'm already working on the next book, so I don't know how, how long it will take me because it's going to be a pretty crazy one. But uh, I, I'm excited because uh, I, I, I've talked about this a bit in some other places where I was saying like, uh, yeah, I'm starting up the next thing soon. Now I, I have already started. I can say I have started now. Okay. Uh, but a spooky fun book. I'm working on it with a friend of mine. Uh, it's a thing that we we did like many years ago, but now we 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 struggled for many years to sort of come up with a good hook for us to sort of return to that idea and do it justice. Like, you know, could we come up with something that was fresh for it for ourselves, and also something that was totally new for for people that you know, they haven't been introduced to this yet. So we're really just trying to make something that's uh, just having spooky fun, but also just like really, really uh, going crazy with it. Excellent. Uh, penultimate question. What are you reading right now? Mm. Oh, man. Uh, I, I can't. Oh, man, I, I mean, I, I picked up a bunch of books at Heroes Con from some fellow creators. Uh, I had uh, Jamie Jones's Baboon. He just came out. I just saw it today. He had, he had a new Baboon book coming out, and he, he got his, his stock in for, for, for all the copies of that book. I've been really looking forward to that because I really enjoyed the, the, early, the early Baboon books that he did. So I've been looking forward to that. Uh, action journalism from... Uh, only press that they just put out they just put out the uh, trade for that not too long ago also i really enjoyed that series when it was coming out and the single issues it was uh coming out like alongside pink lemonade and i was really happy to be sharing the shelves with them because they're, they're they're really cool dudes um let me think here uh Another creator that I, I was talking a lot to at uh, Heroes was uh, Amanda Semler. I met her back in 2019 show there. She has a book called Yeti or Not. Uh, it's a really fun one. I'd say it's worth checking out. Uh, she's got some. She's got a whole new book that she's working on too, which uh, I'm looking forward to. So uh, let's see. John Bergen, Frog Boy. He has a book called Frog Boy. Uh, he's he's working on a new story with that character. He uh, he he had a, a the first uh, first volume of that I think came out pretty recently from from publisher New Friday. Uh, I got like the self published version he put out not like a little before that, but it's a really fun book. Um, those are those are some ones that I can think of off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, there's always a lot of good stuff out there, and not enough time to, for me to check it all out, unfortunately. The, the comics fans lament absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, Nick, this has been fantastic. Final question: As we release you back into the world, uh, how can people follow you online and keep up with Pink Lemonade and everything else that you got going on? Well. I have a website. It's called uh, RadicalRealmComics.com. The, the name does come from Ron, Ron Radical. Uh, but that, that's got links to like all my social media on there, like Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is Fudgy1Nick. That's places like that and Twitter. Uh, NCAGs on Twitter. I'm probably most active on places like that and Instagram. Just posting peaks more more often for you know what i'm working on i'd say probably like stay stay tuned to places like that because i'll probably be posting more and more uh peaks at what i got going on here in the, the not too distant future because i like to keep people at uh you know a pace of what's happening i think it's a fun thing to do all right well nick thank you very much for coming on the show yeah, thank you both for having me. This was a lot of fun. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is part of Comics XF, where you can find this podcast along with our sister podcasts, Battle of the Atom, and Bat Chat with Matt and Will, a Batman ranking podcast co-hosted by Matt Lazowitz and our bud Will Nevin. 
You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at Patreon.com slash WMQComics, where a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a free comic in the mail for my collection. A $2 donation gets you a Pete Wisdom Hot Claw sticker designed by Kevin Newburn. A $3 donation gets you access to our bonus podcast, Our Son Pete, a deep dive into the appearances of British mutant super spy Pete Wisdom. A $4 donation gets you access to Our Son Pete and the sticker. A $25 donation lets you plug your crowdfunded or creator-owned comic in a 60-second spot. And a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis, Robert Secundus, Liz Large, and Will Nevin from ComicsXF, Carla Pacheco, Mike Sagawa, and Azimov Fangirl, a.k.a. The Loyalist Content Consumer. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQComics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF, assuming Twitter still works. And until next week, remember, somewhere out there, there's a Batman comic where all the characters simply cannot stop saying the word boner. W-N-Q-A.